Here he comes. <laughs> this is, I have been waiting for this one because I want to start this interview because, you know, you're always the guy that's got the microphone and sticking the microphone in somebody's face. So now we're going we're gonna to back you in a corner a little bit. <laughs> I got to know, first thing, first and foremost, how about them Cowboys? <laughs> Hey, Jeff, good to see you. Wish I was in Hawaii because all I see on my Twitter feed is you on your paddleboard out there taking in the rays and on the ocean, which looks fantastic. And that takes me a world away from worrying about those Cowboys because, quite frankly, over the last two years, there hasn't been a lot to shout about, Jeff. Well, that's what I'm that's what I'm that's why I asked that question, because, you know, the Cowboys and I, you know, I've been accused of being a cowboy hater, which I absolutely am not. It's just that I don't know, Richard. It's they're like a shiny car with like a bad carburetor. You know what I mean? I just there's they always seem to look like they're ready to take that jump, and they can't seem to get past themselves in some ways. But crazy when you look at the the, the off season for the boys for your for your team, right? Obviously, defense has got to improve. Now, Dan Quinn comes in, and you've interviewed Dan Quinn. You've been at the Super Bowls with us when we when his Falcons were there. What's your take on Dan Quinn and, and his ability to get that defense fixed? I think it takes more than one person to get that defense fixed, quite, quite frankly, Jeff. Um, Dan Quinn is a step in the right direction. You know, Dallas, like everybody else, had to – deal with the pandemic last year, no OTAs, a group gets together at the end of July and they try to put in a new scheme. After six, seven weeks of the, the regular season, you were hearing off-the-record briefings, sources telling NFL Network reporters that this wasn't right or that wasn't right. And that isn't a happy ship, as you well know. Um, I think it takes someone like Dan Quinn to come in and see what the pieces are that he's got, fits them into the appropriate holes, and I also think, let's be honest, Dallas needs to get some new personnel in there and invest in that defense. For the last five, six years, it's been offense, offense, offense. And 12 months ago, we were sat here talking about Dallas. They need to take somebody to bolster that defense in the first round. Well, what happens? You get a star-wide receiver dropped to them at 16, 17 in the draft. And Jerry Jones couldn't help himself when, when he's got uh, a cornerback on the board it's there, waiting, defensive end player, there, waiting. No, no, let's go wide receiver because Dallas don't already have enough with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So it's it's great. You have all these shiny pieces and new toys and you can zing the ball around all over the place and Dak Prescott is breaking passing records through the first four and a half, five weeks. But if you can't stop the opposition from getting the ball into your end zone, it's going to be a long road. And so, yeah, fine. The neutral are entertaining games, college football type points on the board, but Dallas weren't winning games. So this year, forget offense. No matter what happens, it's defense, defense, defense. And maybe if you get to the lower rounds and there's an offensive lineman you like there that you can develop, then maybe you will afford yourself the luxury of picking him. But the first four or five picks, I'm telling you, they've got to go defense. It was historically bad last year. Well, you know, and, and some of it, as I looked at it as a coach, Gravesy, some of it was schematic in that they, you know, Mike tried to bring, Mike, Mike Nolan tried to bring in a multiple scheme 
to a to a team that had not played that way under Rod Marinelli. I mean, basically, they were a one-gap, run-up-the-field, play-cover-two defense, and they blitz you very rarely. And then all of a sudden, Mike wants to get to multiple fronts and a lot of things in the back end that require a lot of moving parts. And that's not being critical of the scheme. It's just, like you said, and I think that's a great observation. When you don't have OTAs and you don't have you know, coaching sessions and you don't have an offseason and then you're trying to piece it all together in the season, really, really difficult. Now, Quinn has always been much more like Marinelli, you know, base front guy, rely on upfield pass rush, you know, play three deep, a lot of zone, tackle well. Guys like Jalen Smith, guys like Van Der Esch, you know, some of the guys that the name players that they have on defense, can they fit in that scheme? Well, here's the worrying thing for me. I mean, you go back three seasons or so ago and people around the NFL were talking about Dallas as having potentially the best young linebacking group in the NFL. Uh, for Leighton Van Der Esch, I think that there's still hope there and you see potential. I'm a little bit concerned about this neck injury, which seems to be recurring. Uh, and was certainly a, a red flag coming out of college. Jalen Smith, on the other hand, I have reservations about time and time again. You put the tape on and you see him just blowing assignments. He's going to the wrong gap. The the ball's nowhere near him and he's running the other way. Uh, and you, you look at it now and you think, OK, you, you need a leader out there that's going to get all these pieces in the right position. And that's why I like Keanu O'Neill arriving on this one-year deal. Um, somebody Dan Quinn knows. He drafted him in 2016 um, as a safety. I think he's probably going to plug him in the hybrid safety come linebacker. Um, and I've got to tell you, Jeff, I was in the green room at, at that draft and Jared Goff comes through and you interview him uh, and various other players come through. But Keanu O'Neill was a mid-first-round pick and by a distance, he was the most impressive young man in the way he presented himself and spoke at the time. And I think Dallas need players like that. They, they need characters like that. So, you know, Sean Lee has always been the man of the last decade or so that takes charge of that defense. Well, with the best win in the world, he's at the end of his career. Um, and it remains to be seen whether he comes back to Dallas for one more season or not. But Keanu Neal, I think you have a leader. If he stays fit and on the field, massive bonus. Uh, for Dallas, and if he can be utilized in as many ways as possible to influence that defensive unit, that can only be a good thing. But yeah, Leighton Van Der Esch, I like Jalen Smith, I've got reservations about. Well, you know, it, it's interesting you bring up Keanu Neal because in Quinn's, when Quinn was at Seattle and they were really good on defense, the safety, the safeties were a key to that defense. They patrolled the middle of the field and they were physical they could drop down and be box players they could rush they could do a lot of things he has all of those skill sets the question to me is the guy's missed an awful lot of football games in the last two couple of years now if he's healthy i agree with you 100 hey i gotta ask you this one again it's not a cowboy related question but i see you with like Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones. And I mean, you are the, you are the ultimate guy when it comes to interviewing ownership. Right. And so you get a chance, Richard, to, to talk to those guys. Not, I, I, I certainly don't. When you're around those guys, do you have a sense of what 
really a really good owner does for a franchise. And and you know, for example, Mr. Kraft and Jerry Jones are very different, right? Very much very similar, but very different. What do you what do you say after having interviewed Shaq Khan, after interviewing all these owners? What if if you could say you you're an owner? This is what you need to do for your football team. What would those? What would the criteria be? I guess. Well, it's interesting you mentioned both Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft there because they're by a distance two of the most high-profile owners in the NFL, obviously. But like you say, they are very different. Um, with Robert Kraft, first of all, he strikes me as a, a lot more hands-off, if you like. Bill Belichick, he's the head coach, pretty much the general manager. Within reason, he's allowed to go about his business. But that doesn't mean that Robert Kraft is any less interested in the way the New England Patriots are organized and run on a day-to-day basis. And he's he's the man that coined the phrase, you check your ego at the door. That's the secret to the New England Patriots' success over the last two decades or so. Now, you've got Robert Kraft on one hand, who's won, what is it, five Super Bowls in that time, six Super Bowls. Um and on the other hand, you've got Jerry Jones, who will always tell you, ah, but we got three Super Bowls in my first five or six years. Yeah, but you haven't been to the Super Bowl in 25 years, Jerry. That, that, that's the thing. That being said, the one thing that struck me on the two occasions I've had to sit down and visit with Jerry Jones is just how passionate he is about the Dallas Cowboys. Believe me, Jeff, he lives, breathes, eats that organization. Uh, and it pains him that he can't get them to the big dance again. You know, he's got this flashy new stadium. He's got the multi-billion dollar franchise, the richest franchise in in all of sports. He's got the shiny new toys and the high-profile superstars, but he can't get back to the big one and lift that Lombardi um, once more. And that eats away at him. So every time you see him making a move, be it a season and a half ago when the season seems to be going down the pan and suddenly dips into the free agency market on deadline day and gets Amari Cooper, or he goes into the draft and takes Ezekiel Elliott uh, at number four overall, despite what others might, might be saying. It's because he has a passion and desire and wants to win so badly. Others, other football officials might argue, of course, that it'd be better if he just steps back and let the head coach maybe get a, a GM in there, uh, let them do the football acquisitions and transactions. But like you say, two very different personalities. And then, like you say, you've got the Shad Khans of this world who um, are at the center of their community, regenerating uh, places like Jacksonville and looking to to move on to the next level. But the one thing all these guys have in common, though, you have to say, is they are invested in trying to make their organization successful. It's just very different ways about going about it. Well, the, the, another thing they got in common is their bank accounts are about the size yours is, Richard. I think that, you know, <laughs> hey, I want no, you to- No, 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 Jeff. You're mistaking <laughs> mine for yours. <laughs> fans, fans, get your questions in for Richard because I'm going to grill him now. This is a little something we do on the show, Richard, with uh, only with just the premium guests that we bring on the show. So you can consider yourself a premium guest. But we're going to play a little word association. I'm going to throw out some names, and I want you to tell me the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the guy's name. All right? Okay, let's do this. Tom Landry. Historic. Gil Brandt. 
legend? Dak Prescott. The future. Oh, all right. <laughs> Alistair Kirkwood. Trailblazer. Great one. Neil Reynolds. Professional. Gotcha. All right. Now <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go uh, into your into your cowboy history book a little bit, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna don't want you to give me your cowboy. You you got have you got your boots on, by the way. I do not have them on right now. No, they are in the building. <laughs> let me assure you. You do not have your cowboy boots on <laughs> for this interview. Roger Staubach. The greatest. Oh, Troy Aikman. Super Bowl. Michael Irvin. <laughs> the playmaker. There you go. There you go. You did it. You, I mean, you didn't even, you didn't even flinch. Did you, what you stay up and study for this or what, man? Well, I tell you what, Jeff, when, when you take your professional hat off and when you have five primetime games a season, which believe me, Dallas win their fair share, but lose plenty more as well. And you still have to get up for work at half six in the morning. So you're on about 90 minutes sleep. You, you pretty much live, breathe, and eat it. It's funny, you know, um, I, a friend of mine was complaining last night because his uh, soccer team in the Premier League, they, uh, they blew a lead late on and he was complaining about how much he's got invested in them. And I said around and said, no, 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 no. And until you have to do four, five primetime games, during the thick of the week when you've got work the next morning and your, your team blows it late on again, as might have happened on one or two occasions um, over, over the years. That's when you've got it invested. But, hey, look, that's why we love the game, isn't it? We could ask Neil, of course, how the Dolphins are getting on, but I feel oh, they're man, just on the, uh, the uptick in the wave. <laughs> hey, listen, consider this, right? Alex Mason, our producer, is a Tennessee Titan fan, right? Mm -hmm. Neil is a Dolphin fan. You're a Cowboy fan. And I'm a Raider fan. And Sean Gale is a Bears guy. Like, we're like murderers, bro. We're, we're getting pounded at every... It's not great, is it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it has been I, an absolute I, blast having you on. And I appreciate it very much for coming on. We got to get you on again. And I got to tell you, it's really been fun working with you. And, you know, your professionalism and your knowledge of the game and, you know, how you project it is really awesome. You've been so critical in the growth of the game in the UK. And I think I, I think that needs to be put on record. I appreciate that, Jeff. And it goes without saying, look, I love working with you. We always have a blast when we're talking ball. And anytime I'm happy to come and join you on this show. And look, the season can't come quick enough so that we can get the gang back together again. And this time, fingers crossed, we'll be out in the States for the finale of the Super Bowl. I'm with you, buddy. It's great to see you. Take care and be healthy, all right? Same to you, Jeff. All right. Thank you. Richard Graves, the one and only Richard Graves. Michael, come on out here, boy. I was gonna, I was gonna ask Richard, Jeff. I was gonna, I actually put a comment on saying, can we talk about the labyrinth in Minnesota? Because I'm not sure if it was him or if Neil said it. Apparently, 
when you guys were in Minnesota, um, it wasn't that uh, warm at all. Apparently, it was very cold. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was the coldest I have ever been, <laughs> and I don't even want to go there anymore. I don't, don't. I'm out of Minnesota. If, it, if it's past September, I'm out of Minnesota. 